Okay, we got a full house today. We've got Dylan DeMarco, who is a consultant for EY and a very good friend. And we've got Bill, kind of nigh the science guy, also kind of Zach, but depending on the day. And then we also have Chelsea and Silver. Matt is off saving the world doing doctor stuff. So we are currently talking about how it is cheaper and a little more efficient to have a baby in Europe. And this is based on no numbers right now. We are just talking anecdotally, but Silver and Bill are talking about it and I find it very interesting. Yeah, it just makes more sense. Uh, obviously, something to take into consideration is travel while you're pregnant. Like, you'd probably want to get it done rather quickly early on in your pregnancy. But then you can just travel around for a little bit while you're pregnant. And even if you are homebound near the end of it, it's still going to be more affordable in the long run. And you'll be able to travel another country with your significant other. So if it's able to be done. All in all... Well, um, go ahead, Silver. I was going to say, underlying health issues also play a part. I know when my cousin had her baby, like, she... What's that thing where you have high blood pressure and, like, they make you not get out of bed or whatever? Some no, pregnant I disease. I don't know with her second child and like that obviously caused some issues she couldn't like move but um and you have to make appointments because universal health care over there so you have to like make appointments and sometimes you're like waiting for a long time which i wait just as long in florida because everybody needs health care here because they're all old oh, uh, <laughs> but like that so that's the con is sometimes you have to wait to have like a an appointment with somebody um but it is I guess the point we were making is it's cheaper. There's like a fixed rate for giving birth over there versus over here. It'll cost you like the house to give birth to a baby. The only thing I ever want to jump into, and I um, I know this was a tangent and I love it and I want to keep going, but I do want to spend a lot of time with Dylan today. But what what I like to think about is that money is worth different things in different places and also being born a place is actually worth something. Like being in like a born citizen of the United States is worth something. And being like born somewhere else is also worth something depending on what you want. So it's sort of just a give it a take. It, it's not like a it's not like an easy equation to make, I don't think. And things are also changing all the time. Yeah, but I think that if like if like I were to have a child, like obviously I'm a uh, a citizen of the US. Um if I were to have a child over there and give them dual citizenship, like I think that's actually worthwhile, the dual part. Yeah, to take you know place I mean? and yeah, take part of both and say, hey man, I'm technically a citizen here, but I can also go over there. You got a company that works internationally? Pff, hell yeah, I'm set. Right. All right. So I want to talk about Mr. Dylan DeMarco and the work that you do. And so we met because we have a whole lot of shared interests with that. And we don't talk very often, but when we do, I'm always like, damn, this dude's really cool. So you work in consulting for Ernest & Young, and you're on the finance team. Well, actually, why don't you tell me what you do? Yes, so I work in business consulting finance of Ernest & Young. Okay, so I had all the words. They were just in the wrong order. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So what does your day-to-day -day look like? Like, what are you doing when you're on the ground? When I'm on the ground, I am usually in meetings, and usually, uh, you know, in the meetings, they're just going over things that we, uh, you know, trying to, Trying to say this in the best way possible. I say it however it's real. Yeah. Oh, we lost Bill. That's all. Cool. Right. He'll probably be also, right. also with the confidentiality aspect. Sure. Um, you know, some days I'm I'm in a spreadsheet. Some days I'm in a lot of meetings. But most days it's a it's a combination of both. Um, whether it's a building out a slide deck or um, even something more in depth like a training, or yeah, just behind the 
spreadsheets and you know it's all it's all different day to day what's your favorite of all those what do you like the most my favorite yeah meetings i prefer the client facing side of things um right now i am not doing a lot of client facing work um last year that was you know the main main butt of it but but yeah you know it's nice to try everything out you know why has it changed you said last year was different than it is than now different project so different you know completely different uh role and uh the work was different got it so, so the work i was doing last year is completely not completely different so whereas last year i was more it was more research and uh you know providing a product for a client right now i am providing a service for a client got it got it that makes sense so i mean if it's if it's changing year over year but not entry year that means these are very long-term projects is that right um so my last project i was on for a little over a year about a year and three months um and i've been on this one since since january and this one i should be on um you know end of summer by then i mean um, if it's going good then i'll you know resign kind of thing sure is it extended what do you have you have your contracts with the businesses is that how that works Yes, we have a, we call them SOWs, so statements of work. So that's what we have, uh, out, you know, essentially a contract outlines everything. And, uh, yeah, we have those sometimes they're set for a date. And if a client wants to, you know, extend it, then we just write up another one. Got it. It just feels like a really long time. So these are like really in depth, tear apart the business, figure out every single line item, where it's coming from, who's handling it. I mean, that's gotta get really complicated whenever you're actually in the weeds of it. It can, but uh, you know, you do things enough and it just becomes second nature, like you were saying earlier. Sure. And, uh, it's but just, it's mainly, yeah. it's mainly finance, right? Um, it, it can change, whether it's finance, you know, accounting. I mean, uh, and big, big four consulting firms, they also do tax and audit and stuff like that, assurance. So uh, a, lot of our, a lot of our stuff is also related to that. But, um, just for reference, yeah. when you mean when you when you say the big four consulting firms, I know Bill helped me out with this. We talked about it's KPMG, and then what are the other ones? Deloitte, PwC, and um, I already said KPMG. Deloitte, PwC, KPMG. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So those are all the other ones. I don't know that that part of the world is just proof that we've come really far in this type of thing, and I. I like, so I, I used to be, and we've talked about this in the past, you and I personally, probably over beers. Actually, anytime we've interacted, it's been over beers. But either way, I think everything's gotten really, really convoluted and way too complicated. And a big reason for that is, of course, the regulations and tax rules. Now, those things are really important because they stop people from doing really terrible things to each other. But at some point, they do seem to get in the way. What do you think about that? Was this me or Bill? That's you. Oh my goodness! Radio silence. I was no. I love a, I love a dramatic pause we, for the beer. I was I was trying to. We were both looking at each other through the, the screen. <laughs> I was trying to see if there was a 
big, Dude, it's, uh, I, it's open. I saw something a while back about there being you know a big five or something i don't know if that was changing but that's what i was looking up it's all good please repeat if you can paraphrase that it's a, it's open forum literally anyone can jump in if anyone has questions or conversation i just find this interesting so what what i was saying was that when i think about your industry and the work that you guys do presumably because i'm not on the ground doing the work so i don't really know i think that the business world has gotten very slow and inefficient and the reason for it is the massive influx in the past 50 years i'd say because probably the 80s was really when this started that's that was like the last big rework of the financial world was i think 82 and everything is very very convoluted right now there's like there's just regulations and rules out the ass and they're good because they stop people from doing really stupid horrible high-risk things but they slow everything down. And I don't know what the healthy mix of that is, but it feels like there should be some kind of a healthy mix. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. Well, I mean, here's the way I look at it, is every time, pretty much, and this happens around tax season, I feel like, is everyone gets really ornery about their taxes, where they go and they're like, oh my God, why am I paying this? And businesses are more sensitive to this than the individual. And they look at it and we all start to really see the problems and we're like, oh wait, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why am I doing this? Also, why am I paying someone all this money and all these problems? Like, it feels like we could just simplify this out. And the simplification is valuable for a company like yours, because you guys provide that, you go in and you do the work and you actually simplify it down to someone. You say, all right, well, so instead of you dealing with this, just pay me a flat fee, or I don't really know how you do the payment. You don't have to disclose that to me, but we go in and we do that work for you. And all you have to do is just execute our plan. And if it works, awesome, we told you so. If it doesn't, don't use this again. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But for the most part, you know, things work. Sure, um, and we hope it does. They, they, yeah. <laughs> You know, so uh, yeah, they bring us on, and yeah, you, I couldn't have said it better myself. Sure, I appreciate so, that. That was perfect. I've been. Yeah, I mean, and that and that brings us to the topic you wanted to talk about earlier. Um, so, Chat GPT. So essentially, that is a consultant, right? Mm -hmm. And it Chat GPT is one day gonna gonna do what I can do. It kind of already can, you know. So that's where advances in that too are gonna bring a huge change. Because if, you know, if a firm's like, okay, well, we don't, we just, you know, have a software and AI do, do all this stuff, then what's the point? Does AI scare you? No, because I feel like I'm, I'm in early on enough to where once it does start taking over, it's, you know, someone's got it. There's still got to be, you know, the human reason behind it. And, uh, you know, when you say, type thing. when you say it starts taking over and I'm not. I'm not going to hold you to any of this. This is just a conversation. Mm -hmm. When you say when it starts taking over, I mean, what do you kind of, what do you mean? Cause I'm curious. Cause I have I mean, my own opinions on this too. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking long-term, long, long-term, long like the next, you know, 10 to 20 years, it's going to be completely different, sure. completely different. I mean, just look at where we were at 10 years ago before now. Um, yeah. So, I mean, dude, you could say that's one 20 thing years. We didn't have an iPhone 20 years ago or we had like barely an iPhone yeah yeah no so i think and and the way the, the rate that it's growing that ai is growing it's just i think i think it's you know coming a lot sooner than everybody thinks it is I and mean, we're kind of we're on the cusp of it you know it's pretty much available to anybody if you put something in and it brings 
you know, a wrong, you know, answer kind of thing, then uh, you just tell it what was wrong and then it'll fix it. It'll like, oh, okay. Well, now I know that's wrong. It's, I mean, it, it's beautiful the way it works, but. It's kind of cool. Have you played yeah. around with it a lot? I have, not work-related. You're not um, allowed to. I mean, sure. yeah, but uh, personally, yes, I've, I've played around with it, and it's a lot of fun. Just it's on my own, um, trying to learn, you know, uh, even just like, say, you're trying to learn a code or something, you could spit Python on the, in there and, you know, say, what does this mean? Or you could put something on and say, write code for this. And it'll it'll do it. And if it, you just have to, you still have to check it for errors, because if you run it, there'll be, there'll be an error. And you just put the errors back in the chat GPT, and it'll fix that. That's fun you mentioned that. Our so my good friend Cody Gordon, who's friend of the program, he's helping us with a bunch of stuff for the show. He is a prolific backend developer. He's excellent. He's versed in a whole bunch of codes. I'm not doing him justice because I don't speak I don't speak the language, so I don't know. But I'd asked him about it. When I talked to him last week. I said, Hey, how far are we out? Or are we at the point soon where a normal person can go in? into one of these machine learning programs and say, hey, write me a code that creates a example, a video game or something that does this. And he said, we're not there now, we will be soon. I said, really? He said, yeah, it's, it's right around the corner for where if you know how to talk to these things, you can have them do the work that used to take five years to learn how to do. And you could just, it'll just do it for you. And, or exactly, exactly what you said, it will take the code that you put in, find the errors and tell you how to fix them. Yeah. It's just, it's wild. It's crazy. I mean, even, it, I mean, in the past two years, it's, it's just shot up. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember hearing anything about it two years ago. So. I think you'd probably have to be like, really following it. You'd, you'd probably have to be like in the group. Yeah. It just wasn't, it wasn't out and as public as it is now. You know, I know the ads are all over social media and whatnot. Yeah. Everyone thought I mean, it was, um, I don't know how to phrase this, but ever, everyone thought, the AI and the computers were going to take, um, they were going to take the knowledge jobs, but they're taking like the art jobs. So it's, it's so crazy. It's, it's interesting. I kind of zoned out a little bit, but we've been using <laughs> AI. Sorry. We've been using AI for like, I want to say like a year, like in, in my company, like since I started, we've been using AI for like photos and then also for like content writing sometimes. So not chat GPT specifically, but AI has been like a thing. And I mean, at least in my market for a, a while, it's like consistently grammarly correct, which is like really hard to do because human error is such a problem. Yeah. So, so do you know what programs you guys were using? Sorry, Bill, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was just going to say generative AI has been around for a long time. So yeah. conversational AI, synthetic data, um, uh, emotion AI, like all these things have been around, but ChatGPT has just gotten all like the hype, and now it's the it's the hot word. So like everybody's going to use it for their marketing because people know about it. Yeah, but I set up a like an AI like a communication dash dashboard for a client when I first started with my agency, where like you would like pop onto their website and it would like immediately pop up like. I have like it would be like an enticing AI and I did that through meta at the time which was like a while ago so so Bill why do you think why do you think chat GPT got so popular because I I can remember and I think I was like 
late middle school, early high school, but I remember there there were still programs of like chatbots. Like you could still you could still find one. They were kind of popular because they were like a cute little toy at the time. It was like, oh, this thing is a computer, but it'll talk to me. Ha ha ha. But like it wasn't good. It was not human in any possible way. ChatGPT is like weirdly sort of almost human, but I think they all kind of are now. Oh, Silver, you're shaking your head. You can have a conversation with that thing, and it's a little weird. So just to be clear, chatbots and these chatbot vendors are not the same people that came up with ChatGPT. Right, it's not open As a matter of fact, chatbot vendors are trying to catch up and adopt ChatGPT. Sure. Because they are concerned, at least they should be, (laughs) that they'll be replaced. Um, And... One of like the one of a great example of this is uh, Microsoft is coming out with uh, their software and their AI model called Copilot. I just and got an ad for that, like literally yeah. thirty minutes ago. So I watched the briefing from their March event. I think it was like the I just watched it the other day, but it came out like a week ago. Uh, basically, just talking about implementation across everything. So like Excel. Word, Microsoft Office, Microsoft Teams, and some of the stuff it can do is kind of crazy. So you can link chats. It could summarize every conversation you've had with people across the team. It can summarize everything that you talk to the client about. It can set up like notifications with service teams. So I saw an example where it was like you could set up an account, and if your if like your service ticket department gets something from that client it'll automatically create a chat in microsoft teams with the service team as an urgent alert and tell them somebody needs to pick this up like automatically throughout the whole system um they the fact that they have the implementation across all the platforms i mean the presentation ability and the excel ability to summarize data and just create it uh they like the marketing aspect of it was good in that it talks about how PowerPoint, like PowerPoint has a ton of capabilities and people never use them. Like, you know, 10% of people use 90% of the capabilities and 90% of people use 10% of capabilities. It's like the usual pitch, right? And somewhat true, like who knows everything that PowerPoint can do? Like you can be certified in it and you don't not even know all the tools, but the the AI would. And some of the presentations that it was auto-creating through their demo was really impressive. Like, um, really attractive to look at and easy to fix. Like if you find an error, you can just type it in to fix this page or fix this sentence. Um, I will say they're they're making it very clear that it's not perfect. And one of the terms, one of the phrases that they said, which I thought was super interesting, is they said, all I want is like check, like our AI technology will either be correct or it'll be usefully wrong. <laughs> and I thought the, the, the phrase usefully wrong was so smart like wow. and it's yeah, somewhat that's good true. marketing that's good marketing yeah usefully wrong is great because it's like now you know it's not this or like now you know that this isn't something you want to hear so you can ask to do it again I see. you can automatically retype it you can ask it to be shorter it has to be longer whatever you want to change the image blah 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 it's saying by um, lack of information it's still providing information I'm yeah, so upset but, I literally just got that notification on my Teams chat like while you guys were talking about something and I was checking my Teams. So I'm yeah. upset I didn't screenshot it. Well, distract the driving. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think it's launching officially until like November. No, it was, it was giving me a promo for like some assist AI for Teams, like built as a widget. 
I think. Ooh, will yeah, make your life easier. It out. Yeah, but it's super cool. Like you can tag your one, you can tag tabs in OneNote on your team, so it'll like pull information from that to make a summary. You could tag picture like from your personal phone and have it pull pictures from that to, to help like implement into a presentation you're making. Like whole bunch of really cool things. I mean, it's the events on YouTube. You can just watch the Microsoft AI 2023 event from March. Uh, they go through basically a whole demo of like their future launch. And just going back to it though, I do think what I like about it is, and their pitch too, like I'm marketing for Microsoft right now, sure. is that they're not trying to take away from the creative aspect, which I think, John, is what you were talking about earlier, where it's like, oh, it's reinventing things. Like, it's get, it's prevent. I think that this model that they're coming out with is just taking away from the rudimentary work. It brings in the, the case of, like, you don't have to summarize data anymore. You don't have to go through all of Excel and fix the sheet. You don't have to create a PowerPoint for things you already know what you're talking about. Um, does all that stuff for you. Like you're still going to need to know everything and review it, but it it takes away the menial task aspect. And the only creative portion it's not is like, once again, making PowerPoints look better, which for a lot of people in certain positions, that's not their strong suit anyway. So it kind of takes away from that and allows them to not have to focus on their presentation skills, but more their like talking strategies and what they're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, and it, and what they're saying is like it frees you up time to be creative and rediscover your work, um, and that's why they call it like a co-pilot. It's because it's like you're in it together. That's <laughs> like kind of once again like they what was it they said they said like we're moving from autopilot to co-pilot. Yeah, that's that's um, the dystopian argument is that we're gonna have the robots do all the work and so everyone can focus on their own endeavors and they can be creative and we can skydive and we can go like go have all these adventures and enjoy life to the fullest. And mm -hmm. it seems a little too good to be true. But either way, so um the the easy example is Excel. Like Excel is a supercomputer that can do fucking everything and us monkeys, literally ninety nine percent of us don't know how to do any piece of it <laughs> we just know how to do the little easy stuff and the basic formulas and the quants absolutely understand it i have no doubt that dylan understands five times more than i do but excel is such a powerful tool and if you like what and so you're shaking your head because you probably do but the thing is even you who knows how to use excel still feels like you don't know how to use excel because of how yeah. complicated and detailed it is because you always find you can always find someone who knows more yeah i mean I mean, even just using alt keys instead of a mouse changes you know, that's everything. like changes a game. Yeah. I mean, I use a a gaming mouse for my you know for work, so it's just like copy and paste and all the all the random little everyday things. It's on all these buttons, so that helps. But uh, sometimes I actually think it's faster because I think I'm faster with a mouse. But either way, well, I remember um, being in the finance world. It was like a it was like a thing. Like, oh, you're using a mouse with Excel. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's but but at the same time, sometimes Excel can't keep up, right. and that's where and that's where people get into coding, and that's where they can just, you know. But essentially, I mean, I don't even know, I don't even know if this is the right way of putting it, but it's like coding you, was a, a manual AI, like you had to tell it what to do. Now you kind of 
just tell something else to tell it what to do. You tell it what you want and then it does what you want or it tells you, you didn't phrase that correctly. Give me better directions. Yeah. I don't know. But, but it also brings into the mix just as a whole, you know, where does this compromise, you know, learning and whatnot, you know, for younger generations that they can just search anything. I mean, I know in high school they had a, was it Mathway or something? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Take a picture of the, the yeah. math equation and, and you, you know, pull up the answer and even show work if you paid for it. And then but, uh, uh, Wolf, Wolfram Alpha did the same thing. I mean, just I stuff Chegg, like that. Or, due diligence too. Yeah. And I mean, but, you know, when does it become, uh, I mean, I think I saw an ad. It was, you know, you can't write, you can't have a, you know, an AI write you a, an essay, but you can have it, you know, because of plagiarizing and whatnot, but you can have it run an essay and then you can just run it yourself or, have someone else, like an, another AI, plagiarize check it as if they were uh, turning it in or whatever. Do you think it goes both ways? Like, what I mean is, so you can have you can have the kids t- having the AI write the essays, but then you could have teachers and professors checking those essays with AI. So it, it's almost like a double-edged sword because it'll recognize its own work. But yeah, but I mean, it's always a loophole. Right. I don't, I, don't, I mean... As a kid in high school, you were going to find it. So, I sorry, I was distracted for a second, but I do agree with that. Okay. So, here's what I think. I think there was a whole lot of skills that we learn in the past that do not apply nowadays, and I think there's a whole lot of skills we're learning today that don't actually apply today. And in the future, there's going to be shit that we're learning that doesn't make any sense. We don't learn how to use an abacus today because we have a calculator. We don't really need to use much longhand math. I mean, it's good to know the logic and the reasoning behind it. I think that's, that's valuable because it's teaching you how to think through a problem. But to, to have a professional job in your industry, for example, where you would need to look at a balance sheet. And, I, I really don't want to misquote what you do. But to look at some sort of formula and to say, all right, I need to work this start to finish and then you pull out a pen and a paper. Most people in the room would look at you and be like, that's, that's cute, but like, why, why the aesthetic? Like, why do you care? Like, just type it in your calculator and do it. It's gonna save you 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, no, so I, I mean, rephrase it one more, time, one more time. I had it, I don't want to my tongue. Well, I don't know if I have a question for it, but the point was that there's stuff that we don't we just don't need to do and so everyone's kind of freaking out like oh my god the kids are not going to learn anything I'm like no the kids are just going to learn differently because guess what none of us can chop wood that was an essential part of learning in the 1800s but why is it relevant now it's not yeah so i mean another thing is uh you know asking better questions that's a huge mm. you know, just huge piece of Fair everything point. yeah so i would say i would say my parents can ask better questions than i do but will my nephews be able to ask you know computers questions better than i do just another way to you know, you have to ask it different sometimes. Why do you think your and parents speak the, ask better and they questions? Speak the technology, you know, growing up with it, you know, sure. earlier than I. Can they, you know, do they understand it more? That makes sense. Well, so I do you have a smartphone? See? Yeah. So, I mean, I think about any time I deal with someone who's probably baby boomer or older generation. And having them do something on a smartphone is really painful. It, it almost, almost always is. And they get really frustrated and really upset. And you're like, it, like, why is this hurting you so much? It shouldn't hurt this much. 
but I can see the pain that you're going through. And it's so simple for us. Like, why, why does it have to be so painful? <laughs> I, I can't see the pain. I really? can't see the pain. Dude, figure I, it out. I see the pain. I'm like, I, I want to help you so bad, but I, the words that I want to say to get you from start to finish include so much background knowledge that I can't, I can't just give you what I have already. Even when you give them what you have, it comes off as condescending. Right, exactly. So, yeah. I, I, just, mm -mm. I also stand by the fact that like part of them doesn't want to know. Like they, they don't want to learn because the amount of times that I've had questions from like older people in my during my entire life and I've just been like literally go on youtube.com, type in your question and then just watch that video. Yeah. And like that'll answer your question and they won't. And to me, it's like, Technology, I get it, has advanced. But, like, you know how to type in what you're asking. Like, and to me, like, that's where that there's that line in the sand. Like, yes, I agree. Like, what if I have a new hire come on that's, like, older, right? And I'm teaching them, like, control keys. Like, if they've never seen it before, like, sure. Like, I could talk you through that. But if it's the, the base fundamental of, like, how do I download an app on my phone? Or, like, how do I, like, I'm like, okay. I feel like there's but like there's ways to get to certain things that aren't just like the quick one-offs where it's like you're asking me like what is the purpose of this phone like what what are like the basic functionalities of it and oh, i just feel like this the, the 60 second clip could really help you out instead of <laughs> me saying the 60 second. and i also do feel like um the whole virtual environment is kind of scary too and i feel like they want the face-to-face -face and like our generation and below is just totally okay with virtual and like comfortable with it and it's yeah. and we also have like i feel like too we are faster paced we are time savers and we're like why do i need to spend 45 minutes explaining something to you when you could go on your own and watch a three-minute video on it that already exists yeah and maybe that's like uh, like a, i don't know the empathetic side too but well, I also think it's lack of trying because like these applications are set up to be simple to use. Like they didn't drop like Word docs and say, here's how to use Word docs. Here's how to save a document. You know what I mean? So, um, sorry, we lost, we, we lost Bill. That's okay. But, um, he'll, he'll be um, back soon. I have a, I, I knew, yeah, there he is. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's like they don't want to know they want us to hold their hands through it and that's unfair because like you're now using my time where you could just figure it out probably faster if you actually applied yourself i just think that they, at some point they just give up just give up i have a fun one for you so we are selling a bunch of little pieces of land across north florida and i took this project on about a year ago and about a year ago I knew a whole lot less than I know now. So I agreed to do this project because I was like, I don't, I just, I just, I'm happy to do any work I can get. It is what it is. So a couple of these sites are in very, very, very remote parts of North Florida with populations of under 3,000, 2,000 per town, which is pretty insane, means you're not going to get someone who's very sophisticated to buy this land. And um, I got someone on one of these and we got a little farther down the line I said, okay, cool. Awesome. Here's the contract. I've literally built it out for you. Um, all you gotta do is tell me what you don't like about it and fill it in and I will send it up and we'll deal with it from there. And he said, I can't open it. And I said, it's a word document. 
He said, yeah, I must not have it, whatever it is. And I was like, oh, oh, we're that remote. <laughs> we are that. I said, well, it, it's a, I, I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to communicate to you that it's a Word document and you should be able to open a Word document. <laughs> and if you can't yeah. do that, why I mean, are you're we? Talking about, you're talking about like your grandma or your grandpa and like not understanding. <laughs> I'm talking like marketing directors at like huge like consulting firms for marketing like agencies mm. not knowing how to like get access to a facebook page do you have a, which is just like, yeah what's the craziest I mean, story like, you've had for those people i, I just like, i want to hear like how do i have your job and i'm not like head of marketing at company i won't name Right. That's that's the experience and the network and the and the connections. That's and that's and that's why they hire us to come and do that for them. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know how to do this. We got to go get someone to tell us how to do this. And Dylan comes in and goes, "Hire a better marketer." <laughs> I got a call at eight thirty this morning from a client that actually I'm not sure I can. Anyways, they didn't know what they were doing, and I was very shocked that they called me seven years after the fact to solve a problem that they just, they just could have solved by Googling. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Previous client, seven years ago, they called me to solve a problem. I'm like, you could have just Googled it. But you're adding value by helping them without them having to spend the 10 seconds to Google it. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they trust that you had the answer. Yeah. So I do also it think that people are wasting my time, but yeah, let's yeah. go with that. Thank you. That's a yeah. good PR. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things that like my company does is write research, they write tons of different types of research. And like the amount of times that we get inquiries where it's like, that's addressed in research, but the client still just wants to talk to somebody about it. I feel like that goes back to that generation. Yeah. They, they want to, they want somebody's time. They want, and if they, if they have questions, they want them addressed right away. They don't want to like take notes and like then go back to somebody they don't, they want like the summary of it. Um, I also think it's interesting with the um, people that are like at sea level, if they are, if they aren't as inclined technology wise, like it's so common. I feel like that's why assistants are so important. And like, even with how, uh, how much improvement there is on virtual assistants and like different VAs that have moved into markets, like, just technical like assistants for these directors are doing so much like day-to-day -day operational things and it's just like it's leaving these c level um or higher level management to just be a face of a company or just be doing like the face-to-face -face meeting side of it yeah because of the value that other people see in meeting face-to-face -face, which is like crazy to me it's the legwork so. the legwork versus the uh intellectual knowledge and the so the intellectual knowledge you can be everywhere at once. You can be online, sending messages, processing things and going from there, but you can't be in 10 places at once. And the mix of that is the phone call, I think. So like in my world, that's the best way to get anything done. And so you've got this clash and I, I work in commercial real estate. So it is literally one of the last industries in this planet to move out of the 80s. We're still so far behind everyone else, but the best way to get things done is still to find someone's phone number and pick up the phone and say, hi, I'm, I'm this person from this place. Here's what I want. Can you help me? And then you go from there. 
if you send an email, it probably ain't gonna happen unless you're already in the process. It's just so far behind. It's the relationship. It is. It's all about getting to know yeah. the other person because they're only doing business with someone they know. That's how things used to oh, yeah. be, I think. Oh. I've, movies have told me. Are you saying it's all about who you know? That's crazy, Joe. Bullshit. I hate Never. networking. I hate networking. Yes. <laughs> yes. No facts. Uh, the ones that pay the best, you know, it's it really is, you know, family, family, friend, your friend. That's how the yeah. best doors open. The most successful enterprises well, are all very incestuous. They are just all even, interconnected in every way. Yeah, and I mean, even if your old boss gets a new job, well, he might want to take you with it, take you with him. Mm -hmm. You know, that's very common. Building yeah. relationships or even a client coaching. Yeah, yeah. It's, I do think it's sorry, John. No, 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 no. What, whatever you have is much better. I promise. <laughs> I was just gonna say that I think that's even more apparent how many more companies are doing BBI, which is behavioral based interviews instead of like content assessments or the, or it's like behavioral based for the first several interviews. And then they do like a content assessment or like a uh, knowledge assessment. Uh, but I've, I, I feel like it's gone up because I've talked to lots of different friends that have applied across many different companies and many different industries. And there's always a subset of behavioral based questions, which is just more like understanding what, what, what have you done in this situation? And it's always vague. It's like, tell me about a time when you disagreed with what your boss uh, had to say, or like a directive from, from a higher up employer. And like, how did you, how did you attempt to approach that? And I feel like it's just understanding the person because they know that a lot of times when people are coming out of school, like they might not know exactly what they're getting into. Like if you're not a doctor or a lawyer um, or one of like those big where you're going in, going through these like internships and learning the software that you're going to be using or learning the tools that you're going to be using. If you're in like business and you move into like consulting, for example, depending on what field you're in, you're going into the company to learn what you're doing at a certain point. And so they just want to make sure that you have the like attitude and like the behavioral ideas to do that. And that's in like big industries. Cause like for me, like I had no experience in cybersecurity before I went to, to my company. So like they knew that. And like a lot of my, my questions had knowledge assessments, but it wasn't about specifically with my industry. It was just understanding if I could articulate research, if I could write, if I could comprehend and like have a conversation. And so that going back to what my point was, is like, if you know somebody in that industry, then like they can get you into position to produce and like be in a well off place. Do you, yeah. Do you think there's a lot of lying that goes on in the behavioral index stuff? Cause I had to do one too. My, my company uses it all the time and I've seen, I don't know how accurate it is and I'm sure it's more accurate than I think it is, but I often wonder how much would the individual lie if they really wanted like if, if if you knew a position required an outgoing social individual and you were not but you wanted it would so that's a long time yeah. that's a really long time and also just remember too, like in a lot of these interviews like besides the hr person that's there like you have people that are in the role and yeah. there's been a lot of times that yeah I've, I've seen that but i've recognized it and just yeah. keep diving in. You just keep poking it. Yeah. And it, it shows itself. Or it, yeah. or, it, or it proves itself wrong. What, like, I 
can speak I mean communication degree like I can speak on like me and my role hiring somebody and like seeing what they think they know and then me prodding them and then completely understanding what they actually know are two very different things sometimes they don't even realize that I already have a grasp yeah of what like you can't bullshit a bullshitter almost I don't know well I think humans are we're good at spotting bullshit well I think it's it's more of like they want the job so they're going to give me the answer or I guess in an interview sense they want the job they're going to give you the answer that they think you want to hear but just because you're giving an answer doesn't mean you actually have the answer sometimes and if you prod them technically if you know what you're talking about from an HR perspective and then from a hiring person's perspective you can usually suss out what's real and what's not to answer your question I mean it makes sense I just I agree with what you're saying, and I think that I checks think out. Too, I think you could, you could. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just, I just wonder. Like, I feel like there's a giant mismatch of. I mean, there's there's jobs that need to be done. There's people who want jobs, and up top, there's employers that need a job done. You've got this weird triangle of like this all needs to happen for society to function, and the motivation of the individual is I need to get paid. Like, I don't really care how I get paid. I do at some point. Like if I'm if I'm doing okay and I get to a position, I now care about how I get paid and what I do. But at the base level, I have bills to pay. I presumably have kids to feed and a family to deal with. I'm willing to give up quite a bit to get where I need to go. And that means you're gonna do whatever needs to be done to get there. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Are you willing to be trained? Cause that's that's where things get like serious. Like the second you start getting trained by someone, that's whether you realize whether you can or cannot. Yeah. You start building personal relationships with people and you're like, Oh, I can't lie to these people anymore. I am who I am. You can fake it. it. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say for the extent of lying on a, you know, the personality tests and behavioral stuff. I mean, that's, that's where they really can see in the interview. That's where they, that's where they're going to find their answer. Like, okay, let's see if this guy's actually how it go. Yeah. Let's really, and I mean, the interview is everything, you know, they don't care about your GPA. You know, they just, they just want to see if you're going to work well with others and be down to learn and if yeah. they enjoy, and if they feel like they could have a beer with you. That's that, that's what someone told me a long time ago. When you go into an interview, you just convince them, at, talk to them as if you're convincing them to come have a beer with you. You know, it's really yeah. funny. I got, I got I, make one yeah. Eat right. Yeah. I got hired on. So that's funny. It wasn't a beer. It was a glass of wine, but yes. Same, same concept. So, a lot of times, like, if if I'm interviewing somebody, and like I'm interviewing for a department, right? I'm not interviewing for my team. I'm interviewing for the whole department. Um, I'm hiring them as if they're coming to my team. So, like, if I don't if I don't want to work with them and train them, then like that's probably a red flag, right? And I usually write that in to our software. So it's the same kind of situation too, because it's like. You're going into it with these BBI things and you're not getting the content assessment piece. So you know you're going to have to train them. So like that's how you're learning about their personality. And so you're looking out for it. Like, yeah, you could probably lie about one or two uh, behavioral based interview questions and give like these outrageous examples about times you gave tremendous service like above and beyond and like it never really happened. But like if you go too above and beyond, it's like there's a lot of whole like you spread a sheet really wide, there's a lot more areas for holes to be poked in too. So it's like, I don't know. It's a slippery slope. Like, 
Like so, Dylan was saying too, if you start lying on that, like they find out, like that's it. Like, is it really worth that risk? And then you're never gonna hear back from that company again. Like, probably yeah. not. And if you do get away with it, then maybe you're so good at lying that you will be like good. Like, if you can fake it so well, maybe you can make it. That's the other. Well, there's thing too. a difference. There's a complete difference. I think. So I think bullshitting is the the most useful skill a human can have in the whole world. <laughs> and it's and bullshitting isn't necessary. In, in my opinion, it's not lying. You know, you're just, you know, the same thing as just beating around. The, you can shoot the you know, shit. You can just shoot the shit with. Yeah. Yeah. Sales is all know, shooting the shit. You get it outright. You tell them what they want to hear. And, you know, if you don't have the answer, well, then, you know, tell them in a good way. You don't have it, but you'll find it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say, oh, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, here's a big consultant phrase for you. Like, I'll circle back with you, you know? Right. I don't know I don't now, know, but I could know the answer. Can I email you later? You follow. Uh, well, you see my previous email. <laughs> <laughs> you follow Steve, Stevie Emerson. Let's touch base Barbie. later. Yeah, Dylan. Do you follow Stevie Emerson or the Slappers Only guys? Uh, I'm not familiar with them. No. He has a really good video. I'll send it to you. And I, I don't want to like butcher it and make it not funny, but it's it's basically what it is. He's sitting at a desk and a phone. He's like he's like uh huh. Okay. All right. We'll circle back. All right. I'll run up the flagpole. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, ring around the rosy, yeah. beat the bush. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it goes on for like yeah, three minutes. I know exactly. What you're and, he, and then at yeah. the end, he goes through all of them, and then he has a checklist in front of him that you see at the end. He's literally pointing one at the other, and I'm sitting there yeah. like, this is literally the shit that we do in the business world. Like you, literally, you just you say all these things because they're comfortable and they're fun, and everyone knows this is the lingo. And if you say it, you're in. You're good. You're good. Oh, you're good. Cart before the horse. You're you're good. You're good. Yeah, no, precisely. It's the funniest thing. Um, oh, I got another funny one for you. So, and I think he'll be okay with me telling this because he won't hear it. And if we end up going viral and getting super famous, it'll be far enough in the future that he won't hear it until then. So, uh, Cody had a great idea that I did not think was great. And he said, I want to start or I want to like create a, a platform at, um, using machine learning and what it's going to do is it's gonna generate interview questions and we're gonna sell it to schools and use it for college students. And I said, I don't like this idea. He said, why not? And I said, because most good jobs are not based on how your interview went because you answered questions like, when were you in a stressful situation and you handled it correctly? It's, hey, let's go get coffee. I see that you manage this department. I have some ideas for you. Let's talk about it. Also, hey, look, you went to school here your football team's doing great. Man, I, your QB just killed it last year. That's how you do that stuff. It has nothing to do with very generalized proper interview questions. So I, I really shot him down and he was a little upset with me. But to your point, I think that's where that's where jobs are made, deals are made, and humans interact in the business world. Yeah, I mean, you got to, you know, if you're in an interview, you got to flip it, you know. Right. You, you start interviewing them, they're... It's a conversation. You know, and, 30 an hour, 30 minutes an hour passes and they're like, shit, I didn't ask all my questions. This kid, you know, this kid stumped me. And then, you know, and, that, and that's a good spot to be in. You're two cups of coffee deep and they feel like they've talked about themselves the whole time. Oh, yeah. They start bringing up Star Wars to John. Dude. That was the last thing he heard. <laughs> Boom, baby. All, all in. He's like, you're hired, but we can keep talking for the next hour and a half anyway. <laughs> well, I keep a couple things in my pocket, and if people bring up cars, I know I've got them. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like, all right, we're best friends. There's no problem here. And I know Dylan's nodding because that's how we became friends. Is we're like, all right, we agree on 
what do we we agree on a lot of stuff we agree on like economics politics cars and a few other things because you're a big jdm guy which i just love i'm a huge jdm fan all the way and if you have any of these things it's one of those like all right we're nerds together let's nerd out and have this moment and then you just you just love it because you had a 350z i think right yeah is it gone or you still have it no she's gone oh man were you sad the building uh i do i do I do miss the car often, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, grass is always green and driving a manual for four years is my daily. I got old. It got old. Yeah. I was, I was ready for an automatic. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, you drive an automatic and you're like, man, I miss, I miss that state. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just not just in 5 PM traffic. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's honestly, just having full control over the vehicle. That's, that's the fun part. Silver, yeah. oddly enough, is a car person as well. She's shaking her head, but she absolutely is. Yes, you are. Okay, and? <laughs> Wait, why are you embarrassed? I'm not. It's just like, Silver is a car person. What do you want me to say? I don't know. You had a beautiful BMW that you miss quite a bit, and you're going through Jeep issues now. I'm heartbroken over that car, guys. It's been like three <laughs> She's years. She's never not had Jeep issues. Yeah. Uh, Hashtag Jeep. Let's go places. I had Jeep issues today. Spark plugs. Changed them myself. Nice. I'm not paying four dollars in labor to change spark plugs. So, um, but yeah, I had a really nice BMW 330. Love the 3 Series BMW. Um, I've had a BMW my entire life. I got into a car accident, not my fault. I got rear-ended at a red light, totaled my baby. Um, and I can't find another one that's like worth buying because the car market is ridiculous right now. I have to defend you. So whenever you just say I've had BMWs my whole life, you had like a real actual BMW. It was a it was a CI. It wasn't just like a normal three series because whenever you say that, I think a lot of car people are like, "Oh, you're just like a person who doesn't know these things." I'm like, "Nah, like Silver Action knows her shit." Money? No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I had uh, I had a three twenty five at first, regular thousand, I believe, might have been a nineteen ninety. This was years ago years ago my first car then i had a 330 um ci and she had oil problems i blew the engine my bad <laughs> and then i had another 330 ci she was my main baby i had her for like four years before i got into this car accident and she was a 2004 so when they're that old and you get into that type of car accident that i was in yeah, yeah. there was no i don't blame you sorry i didn't mean to step away segue no no it's perfectly fine that's all good stuff that's all good stuff i know i have wanted to ask dylan about his skydiving experience and i know chelsea's gonna want to tap in as well because she went for your second time i want to say no i have tickets for the second time oh we're going in may i think you have been once but my boy Dylan over here. You did yours a couple months ago? Yeah, I got my license back in November. How was it? Just the whole process. It was, I mean, awesome. So I'm still very new. I'm only about 34, 35 jumps in, but I know I'm you get your sweatshirt on. You got. I did. This is my favorite crew night. I love Go that. Spaceland. Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. Always. Spaceland Houston. That's where I'm at. Oh, I was going to ask. Houston? Houston. For Sharon they, of Houston. No, there's a, there's a place in Clewiston 
that? Where's that? It's called Space Nine. Oh, Houston. okay. It, it's in Florida. I want to say it's by like Tampa, but even then, it's about an hour away. It's like right in the center of Are y'all all Orlando, Tampa, and Fort Myers. No, I'm in Miami. Miami, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know Florida's got a bunch of beautiful drop zones. Jacksonville in particular has a nice one I haven't been to. But uh, they do high altitude drops on drops there. So where is it? We did. Uh, it's more north of the beach. I want to say. Gotcha. Up near Nassau County. Sure. I don't Fernandina know. Beach. Uh, any of those? I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere. Go skydiving. That's just the only place that there's like open open land that's not a swamp. <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, so that's you know back to I guess my day to day can change very dramatically if I am, if I travel for personal reasons, you know, being all remote and, you know, I can work from the beach if I have a hot spot yep. and that's, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. But, uh, and there's been times where I've worked from the drop zone where I've, I've been in a meeting like this and I could, I left my, my camera on and they just see people skydiving in and they're just like, you know, cool background. Like, how'd you do that? And I'm like, oh, that's live. I'm like, yeah, I got, <laughs> I'm, I'm on manifest for like 15 minutes. So after this meeting's up, I got to run. We can just wrap it up, but uh, you know, I mean, that, I mean, if you just get it, it's very entrepreneurial. Yeah, um, I'm not sure with all firms, but within EY, if you, you know, for the most part, if you do what you're supposed to do, you're in the meetings you're supposed to be in, and you know, get all your work done, then you know, they don't care where you are, where you're doing it. They do. So, so you still have a main office, and you still want to go into the office and still build those, you know, relationships because there's, you know. You know, those, uh, they call them the spontaneous relationships or spontaneous connections or networking, something, some spontaneous something. But, uh, you know, you're not going to get that. Just on, I don't know. I mean, you network when you go to the bar and meet people. That's networking. That's a you joke. Know, Sorry. <laughs> She's fucking it's a, with you. It's a... <laughs> I, John. I have, so Dylan, I do, I do have a good question for you. I think you're going to like, but, um, just for reference is we are changing the name of the show from feel good finance to I hate networking. And the purpose, the reason for that is because over the past couple John of weeks, hates networking and I, I say everything he does is just networking. No, no beef. None. I, John has beef networking. I don't think I've networked in years. And the reason is because I don't, I'm not, I'm not ever doing it for personal gain. I do it because it's fun. I do it because they're my friends or like, so, all right. But it's still networking. Whether you do it for personal gain, but whether you are selfishly doing it, you're like, oh, this person I have a connection with, I'm totally for real friends with them, even though I've only talked to them three times. I'm not going to ask them to do anything, but it's still networking. Dylan's my like, real friend. I'm not, I'm not using Dylan. <laughs> I've only talked to him for yeah. like, like three times in the past year and a half or so. I still consider him one of my favorite friends. Not best. Don't I, I can't give you that title, but one of my favorite friends because you're interesting as shit. Networking. Thanks. See what I'm saying, Silver? You know, for, for a guy that doesn't like networking, didn't you put together the biggest networking event with young people in your industry um, ever? In Jacksonville, which doesn't mean much, but it, it is what it is. Um, no, so we just do this thing, I and mean, it's this Friday, which is two days from now. Where you Wednesday. get together and hang out. No, we literally just we literally just go and get beers, but like we all work in the same. It, it's fun, but like it's because I want to be friends. I don't. All right. Thank you, Bill. Let's get back on track. All right, Dylan, I got a question for you. So, whenever we were talking before we started recording, you used the term like my practice because I was asking you about what you do and your day to day and everything. And so when you said my practice, it got my brain turning. 
when you say that, it leads me to think you have like a lot of autonomy, but I really don't know. So how much? Oh, are you kind of have a lot of autonomy? Just sort of control over what you do your day to day in your life. And I know you work for a very large company, but I'm just curious. Like, is it is it like an individualized team? Are you building? Because you mentioned entrepreneurialism as well. I don't know. I'm just I'm yeah. Curious so, so as far as the team aspect go, you can be on. Um... You can be on a big team, even a small team. So my the project I was on for so long, that was when I joined, there were four of us, including, you know, the lead. And then um, after tax season, you know, rolled into the summer of last year and whatnot, then it just became, and two people rolled off. They had been there for a while. So then they rolled off and I stayed on. And, you know, it was just me for a while, just me and me and the lead, my manager. And uh, and that, I mean, it was great. It was a good time. You know, it, it was kind of, you know, we'd, we touch base every few days, sometimes every day, sometimes every few days. He was very busy. So, yeah, so I had a lot of responsibility there. Whereas in the engagement I'm in now, we have, you know, have your oversight. There's just a huge, it's a, the way it's broken down is a lot different. You know, there's probably like 40, 50 people just on, you know, part of it, you know, just on part of the engagement because it's a whole, the end goal is all, it's, it's bigger than, um, you know, selling training programs, for example. Right. So, uh, so that's where, you know, I'm on a team of, so we call them pods. So you'll be on a pod of six and then say there will be two pods per group and say there's group A, B, C, you know, and it just kind of, it just keeps branching down and goes all the way up to the leads. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, as far as entrepreneurs, so it's, yeah, some, sometimes it changes. Sometimes you have things, a big, sometimes you have a big project that's due in a week. So then you have that whole week to just work on that project and grind it out. You know, if they give you two weeks and it only takes a week, then you know you can just take your time with it. You know, you can you know make sure you get other stuff done throughout the day and focus on other things. But for the most part, I mean, you want to finish it faster than get a new project. You know, that's, that's how you grow and kind of I guess climb up the ladder for the most part. But um, yes, you could have a have a you know a, a big task that's going to take you a while, or you'll have you know sometimes it's small tasks like hey. Um, just go build out this model real quick or, Hey, can you write a couple of strings of code for this? Or, you know, little things like that where it's like, you know, just do it quick and then, and then you'll hop on the next thing. So yeah, it just, it just varies a lot, a lot of, a lot of times it's different. There's some, there's some rule or law that says that work expands to fill the time assigned to it. And I find that interesting because if I assign myself two hours for something I can get done in 30 minutes, it, it'll fill two hours. So that, so that's actually my, my biggest flaw, I would say. This like, what's your biggest flaw if someone asks you an interview or something? Same. I always just, um, I always take on work. I don't, I don't know time. Like, I'll pull all nighters. Like, I'll just keep telling people, like, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh yeah, I can do that. Do you need help? No, I got it. Stuff like that. When I'm, you know, a couple hours, I'm like, man, I could use some help on this. But I turned it down, and then I'm, you know, but I like all nighters. You know, I, I'll be honest, I don't think sleep is. I, I don't know how y'all are, but I, I'm not the. Um, I need my eight hours kind of guy. I do about, I kind of just sleep when I'm tired, just crash. And then I'm the you know, biggest like every other night, planet. Oh. you know, you know, and, it, and it's, and it, but it's not like, you know, I mean, with any white, they don't expect that from you at all. They, they, for the most part, you know, five, six o'clock hits and they're like, dude, get offline. What are you doing? Like, it's not that serious. I'm not curing cancer. Like you don't need to be on, but, uh, you know, if I have work, I just want to do it, you know, so that's where I'll, I'll pack on the plate. The stomach's already full. You know what they say? 
work your ass and always say yes in your 20s and learn to say no in your 30s? You prepped to, you prepared to learn how to say no? Because you're our age. I mean, you're mid-20s, right? 23. Yeah, early mid-20s. So you still got a long time for it. But that's just what I hear from all, all the guys that seem to run in their lives pretty well, at least. They say, you know, in your 20s, it's it's better to feel like you've no clue what you're doing because you you don't and that's okay and then in your 30s you gotta learn how to say no because you've said you've said yes enough you grind it through it i don't think anyone has the golden bullet and like no one knows what the actual answer to life correctly is and that's kind of why we're all just existing figuring it out and it's really hard it's really 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 hard there's no easy way to do it but that seems to be working really well at this point in time yeah i'd agree yeah. yeah. I mean, and everyone's just so different too. So, you know, sure. You can't, you can't give a, a set manual to a person and say, here, here's how you do life. But for the most part, I mean, you, you just teach them, you know, just make sure they understand the, like the meaning of hard work and whatnot. Yeah. You know, it's like the more general stuff. You get, the, you get this stuff down and you'll be good. Kind of like earlier, you know, if you have the ability to learn, then yeah, you'd be a good employee. Silver's got something to say. I know she does. I was just going to say, like, I know the two different types, you know, the people that work like nine to five, they take their hour lunch right at noon and they work the whole time. They're in at nine, out at five. And then like, I'm the type that like, I'll come in at nine, but like, I might like mess around or whatever, but I'm getting my work done. You know what I mean? Even if I work a little bit later, like I'll work till six or seven or I'll work on the weekends or I'll be available outside of normal work hours, which I don't have the luxury to mess around anymore, but definitely at the beginning um, I did because I didn't care if I worked from like six to nine, you know what I mean? Uh, so I, it doesn't need to be fit in that bracket as long as you're getting your like nine to five work done and then also getting your main work done if it can be done whenever, I guess. When you say there's two kinds of people, I completely agree with you. And I'm try I try to not categorize people as much as possible because I think it's kind of dangerous. But it it I it, mean it, in the corporate like but, my in my industry. Well, but I think it's correct because I've had this conversation, it feels like a hundred times now, where we so we're pretty we're a really well established company. I love my company. I'll advertise them, Foundry Commercial based out of Orlando awesome company we're one of the biggest developers in the southeast so whenever i go pitch people and say hey look i would love like we're hiring we're growing like crazy we're hiring we're doing this i would love for you to come meet everybody figure out if you could work with us it always goes one of two ways and the first way is okay how much are you paying me i'm like well that sort of depends on the role you take on also we have a draw and the majority of it is based on what you produce and the work that you do and I understand why that's very high risk for someone who has a family and bills. I get it, but your upside's pretty high. Okay, that's fine. What are my hours? Second question is also very hard to explain because guess what? If I'm out, <laughs> if I'm out having a really good time on a Saturday night and I am in the middle of a deal and we are a week away from big things happening, money goes hard, closing, any of that stuff, and someone calls me at 9.30 at night on a Saturday, I'm gonna pick the phone up. I'm not gonna go tell them to fuck themselves because that would that's gonna result in me losing my paycheck potentially for the next three months. That's a problem. I have stuff to do. 
And a lot of people really hate that. They say, no, I think I'd rather have a set hourly. And I say, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's okay. That's fine. Do your work, do your thing. But that's kind of where you differentiate between the two segments. Well, I think that's the precedent, you know what I mean? That you're available at the very least nine to five. But I do think that like that answering the phone at nine o'clock, it's really not a big deal unless it is, you know, if like you're at a family event, don't answer the phone. But if you're just, if you can handle your job at nine o'clock at night on a Saturday, like I've picked up, up the phone on the weekends and they feel like I'm going above and beyond. I don't feel like that's the case sometimes. Um, so it just depends how you work. I personally would prefer them to call me so I know what's happening rather than ignore them and then be like anxious as shit Monday morning trying to get some information to me. Yeah. Or if they find someone else to, you know, resolve the issue, then all right, well, you were unavailable, so we found someone else. And, and then they're right. going to start calling on them first. They you know, get you, paid. You want to keep it I like to be there for them. Like, even earlier when I was complaining about people not knowing what they're doing in the industry, blah, 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 being too old to, like, operate their phones, I'm still on the phone with them, walking them through it, being a pleasant, sweet, southern piece of pie. You know what I mean? Like, I still want them to, like, leave that experience with a good taste in their mouth, even though they're I, in my brain, I'm like, this sucks. Outwardly, customer service is everything, in my opinion. You can't, you have to have a good customer service front. You have to. And then you've got the secret option C, which in Dylan's case is, my dude, why are you up at 5 a.m. still working? And he's like, well, I don't really want to work at like 9 a.m. <laughs> they just get it done at my <laughs> <Yeah>. hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, uh, it still gets done, Yeah. right? Even as it's it's really as long as it gets done yeah for the most part i mean so so most days um it really depends on the project i mean um i can't disclose too much but i mean like you know you know there's there's been times where i've had you know a longer like i was saying earlier you know a longer task so say it takes a week well you know i can i can just work when i want how i want and just get it done you know as long as i'm still you know active and asking questions and stuff you know if i'm if i'm if i'm stuck on something i can't save it till the end but uh yeah until you know due date you know you, you gotta bring it up but but um yeah i mean and i guess in a way i mean in my in my eyes are the two type of people would be you know the ones that like the flexibility and then the ones that like the structure right yeah but then you but then you have the ones that are you know say someone that likes flexibility is stuck with something that has a lot of structure and vice versa so whereas yeah my job has a lot of structure and where i can work from an airplane and uh just really anywhere there's wi-fi you can just you really just do whatever you know it it, it sucks traveling and working because you don't have all your monitors and whatnot but you know you get a little travel monitor you can so maybe it's, you, you can do very well maybe it's there's flexibility in structure there is yeah yeah well what do you so what do you mean by that flexibility in structure because i'm curious like my boss Let's say for my job, hypothetically, I decided to travel to California tomorrow on a dime and not take any time off, not take any PTO work the whole time. Just tell her like, these are the hours I'm going to be unavailable, but I'll make up for it out of office hours. She'd be, she'd be cool with that. But um, that's because she trusts me to get my work done. In a bigger corporation, I think it's harder to trust people to get their work done and harder for them to be honest and upfront about where they're spending their time. 
So I find that um, my like flexibility and structure comes from telling her exactly where I'm going to be and when I'm not going to be available and then being available outside of those times to make sure that all of my other work gets done, which she doesn't ask me to do. But because I'm not taking time off, I do because I, I need to. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. That, that does make sense. So then maybe maybe you sort of divide it three ways. You say it's the, the, the always on, the on during certain periods, and the work by project is maybe the third one. I mean, <clears throat> for me personally, it's, it's just, you know, if there's something going on, then I'm going to think about it. Sure. You know, say I have something to wrap up. I can't just, all right, leave my computer and go hang out with friends because right. then I'm going to be sitting with my friends like, I need to finish that. You know, or it's it's like a puzzle you're just addicted to sometimes, and that and then there's some sometimes where you're, I can't wait to get away from this. You know, I feel like we're the same, but at the same time, <laughs> sometimes like that structure, I'm like, okay, it's five o'clock, I've done too much, and I still have it in place. You know what I mean? Um, or I don't get bothered. Yeah, but. no, I get you. I mean, for me, me personally in my career, we're kind of, I'm kind of just. I, I should be online from nine to five, but outside of that, I'm kind of on call. Um, you know, I've gotten emails at 10 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays that, you know, I didn't have to answer. I didn't have to answer. I didn't, um, I mean, and there's some that I didn't answer until the next morning, but, you know, even answered on a Sunday. It's just some some things are different, but it's also, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just uh, you're just going above, above and beyond the call of duty, which is, you know, working when you're not supposed to doing the extra stuff mm-hmm. but uh i guess it really just it always it, it's going to depend on where you're at i mean i just i'm not even gonna lie to you guys i just answered an email like 10 minutes ago so yeah i don't blame you it is <laughs> what it is i well i think there's Don't like a... i'm corporate this is bad <laughs> i am the opposite of every single thing you've said i recommend that's what you pay me for I will go above and beyond if you need me to, but otherwise I have a basic job with a basic pay. You will get above and beyond of what I think you deserve. And at the end of the day, I do my job freaking well. I get A's on yeah. every single review. I get called out every single meeting. I am not going above and beyond for them. I'm just doing what they need to do. Yes, no, but I mean, that is above, I guess, so for me, the incentive is overtime. So if I wasn't making overtime, I probably would not be pulling all-nighters for fun, you know, because it yeah, wouldn't be I'm, fun. I'm hourly. I get paid the hours I work, and if I go over five, I get in trouble. So why am I going to go over five and then not plug it in? That's and that, I think, that, I think that people just thrive differently. I have a best friend that works in a position where she will work at two or three in the morning, but she thrives on it. That is her, like, serotonin. If I had a call at three in the morning for work, I would call them back and tell them they're stupid and be like, call me on working hours. But Unless and that, and I have a reason to be working that weekend, which does occur. Yeah. Yes, and I, I get paid for that. that. Uh, yeah, well, and then, so it also comes into play too, is when you don't have the option to, you know, work over and charge for it, then, you know, your time is more valuable too. So your time spent working. So where it's is- It's also priorities. Yeah. Some people well, prioritize I mean, their work over doing things after work. Yes. And that's totally I mean, fair, especially if you're passionate in your career. 
I'm guilty of doing my laundry in, in between a bunch of meetings. But uh, I see nothing wrong with that. that. And that no, that's not wrong. But, like, but if I was in the office, yeah. But if I was in the office, I you know I wouldn't have a distraction or other tasks to do, and I would be you know right at the, and that's where my time is more valuable in an office than it would be uh you know uh, I guess remote post and kind of switch. As someone who does both, you would find yeah. it in the office. I'm I'm telling you, you would. <laughs> It, 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 I, I think that more depends on the office. Yes, and right. Environment's I've everything. I've worked for both. I've worked for a company that has 500 people. I've worked for a company that currently has like 12 people. Either way, you're going to find a distraction because there's always going to be another person that doesn't want to work. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to grab you. They're going to find a conversation. They're going to try and make it about work in case the CEO walks by. But you're not working it's usually <laughs> the ceo that wants to have the conversation they're the actually yes they're so bored yeah. <laughs> i don't think there's anything wrong with going above and beyond for work i do it all the time i work with old people like i'm the youngest in my company i think older than me is 30 and then after that it goes 40 and up chelsea what do you do i have no problem marketing yeah for what what kind of company oh a sewing company there's the background that's what i was hoping for but even then, like I have no problem on the phone with them telling them how to use Dropbox because it took me five times, but now my boss never asked me questions anymore. He got it off the bat. I have older people that I need to work with content for. I need them to do filming for me. Like I need them to film and do the editing for me. And I've had three old ladies learn how to use iMovie in under a year. I don't think it's hard. I think it's just that some people want to do it and some people don't. It's literally as simple as it is. It has nothing to do with their age. It has nothing to do with their industry, their business. It is literally the mentality of who you're working with. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, above and beyond isn't isn't just uh, you know defined by you know just by staying. That can be defined in many different ways. I mean, that that in itself is going above and beyond. You know. And our company above and beyond is everyone wears different hats. And if you're cool with it, that's going above and beyond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, know your role. It sounds worse when you say know your place. When you know your role and everyone's just like, okay, cool. That, that's fine. I guess it's good to be creative and innovative and want to help the project and stuff. But sometimes within certain certain uh, work environments, if it's not broken, please don't fix it. Just Thank keep it going. You. Thank yeah. you. I guess if something needs to get better, then it, you know. It'll right. present itself. It'll be obvious when things need to get better. But if it's yeah. not broke, don't fix it. Oh. Just leave it alone. And the bigger the company, the more things that don't need to get fixed get fixed. And we've, we've had this experience on so many deals where you have worked everything out. You said, okay, the two people that are on the ground making the decision have decided that this is probably a good deal. Okay, fine. We need to now work it up the corporate ladder on either end. And it goes up and it goes through about five layers of lawyers. And it goes through another three layers of C-suite executives who all and every single one of them needs to make sure they have something they change because they got to add value. They need to do something that proves they're doing their job. So by the end of it, you've added $2 million of work in about three more weeks onto whatever project and process needed to happen because 15 to 20 people had to make sure they added their value to the deal. And it's not an addition, it's a subtraction. You've made everyone's life harder. It's the weirdest thing, I don't understand it. I'm, 
I'm just flabbergasted every single time. Yeah. I mean, and, and you also got to think with, I mean, different types of companies, but they're not going to, you know, put out the newest and latest, great, latest and greatest because they want to, you know, have that, have to build because if they put it all out now, then. Right. You know, Showing your hand. Well, it's not. Yeah. Well, think about yeah. Apple. I mean, Apple. So the iPhone has been the same thing for the past 10 years. Like we've not really changed from the iPhone 7. We just haven't. Yeah. It's not that different. It's got a better camera. It's faster processing. Well, camera? Yeah. Go ahead, Bill. <laughs> Tell me. You know all this stuff better than I do. Got a way better camera it every is time. So somehow, it's, it's, some way. Guess what? It's got four. Sometimes, cameras. sometimes it's the same camera, but now there's two of them, <laughs> or three of them, or four of them. There's <laughs> four cameras, and guess what? They can zoom really far. And you know what else? Take landscape photos. You need one. You need one right now. You need one so badly that you're going to absolutely stop what you're doing, walk to your nearest Apple store, or better yet, go on Amazon and get one. You're going to get one right now. Do it. Do it. Do it. Are you getting paid for this? No, I'm just uh, making fun yeah, of the Yeah, this feels good. This is, yeah. we are sponsored by Apple. Guess what? I don't, endorse, I don't endorse. Everyone I quit your jobs. Endorse. We're sponsored by Apple. <laughs> Me and Chelsea. Do not in the chat. JK. JK. It's so funny because like I use a lot of products that are small businesses and I endorse the shit out of them. And so many people are like, are you, are you sponsored? And I'm like, no, no, like I'm actually just love this thing. And they said, you should be. And I was like, I don't, that feels like a sellout move, but yeah, probably. No, no. I mean, it's not a sellout. Well, what was Bill going to say? What do we do? I was going to say, we tried to get sponsored back when we were in college. You remember? I do. It's like a whole bunch of, it was funny. We had such so a good time. It was so much fun. I It cracks me it up. Was. Uh, we have, like, the sponsorship thing's interesting because sponsorship doesn't really make a lot of sense until it makes sense. And I know that statement doesn't mean anything in itself. But So what I mean is, like, there's a whole lot of people that create business models around getting sponsored. And I, and, and I have to, I have to, I, I don't do this because it would not make sense, but I want to explain to them Sponsorship means whatever you're doing, whatever business you're running is getting a lot of interaction. And if it's getting interaction from the general public, we want our face to be on it. It has nothing to do with you unless you're an influencer. And influencing itself, I still think, is the most ridiculous backwards business model of all time. But that's a different conversation. So I can provide a good a good grasp on this just um so i have a few buddies that are they do youtube and stuff and one of them has over a million on you know instagram and like 4.5 on youtube so he Jeez. he makes good i mean that's like that's you know, good sponsorship dollars yeah the guy was a millionaire at, at 16 it's ridiculous but uh and i mean so he, he was he was doing a video and uh i can't say yet he hasn't released a video i'm not in an nda but sure no worries just doing some justice well even the, or say uh yeah so you know, he's, he's about to release a video. He's not looking at the, the revenue from views and, you know, the engagement. It's the sponsors. So we're, okay, well, this video is worth a random number. You know, say it's 50000 It's like, well, I have, I'm going to mention a couple sponsors throughout the video, whatnot, or even just put them, you know, tag them, whatever. And, that, and that's the initial revenue from the video. That is what, you know, that's how, that's how they keep that going. Because I mean, yeah, they they make you make money off the views and stuff, and it's 
you know, it, it, it all accrues, especially from your older videos that still get views and stuff. But uh, yeah, the sponsorship deals are insane. It's just crazy to me. It feels like the same companies over and over are sponsoring all the podcasters and all the YouTubers. Like, um, what are the big ones? Like, BetterHelp's a big one. Manscaped is everywhere, it feels like. Um, there's a couple of uh, Athletic Dr. Greens. Squatch was a while back. Which one? Dr. Squatch. Yeah, Dr. Squatch definitely advertised a ton. I, it just, it's a lot of athletic clothes brands. Yeah. In yeah. Um, did, did Fabletics do anything? I feel like Fabletics is actually a good company. Though. Kevin Hart. I know it's a Kevin lot Hart's. of people that love yeah. Fabletics. Yeah, and they got Kevin Hart doing some funny little skits for a commercial. You know that? And those are the few commercials that engage me. I see Kevin Hart doing something stupid. I'm, I'm game. That's the thing, is if you make me laugh, I want to buy your brand. But if you make me cringe, um, I'm going to run. Pete you got to grab it. It's Smartwater. Yeah, I remember Soul. those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah. The ad was really like... I don't know why I'm here. It's like, no, he, he, he did, he did yeah. Taco Bell too, and Taco Bell doesn't need any more engagement. They're already Taco Bell. Like they they own the late night shitty drive-in industry. Yeah, use that money and hire yeah. more staff. Seriously, <laughs> hire yes, Save hire more money. staff. Get slightly better product, and you're good. No, just pay the people that work there more than the people that work that there. Too. It's probably a good. Better probably a good point a 15 yeah so like an expensive worker is worth two really cheap workers you know you're right i mean you want to work over time energy drinks are big right now too God, like bang for a while was doing it yeah. celsius celsius i mean you know. so even like like prime i didn't know anything about prime i didn't know who whose drink that was i just didn't keep up with the you know, I guess like KSI and Jake Paul and stuff, but yeah. that's all my my nephew and all his friends drink. You know, they want to get an energy drink. Oh, they don't have Prime at this gas station. Well, can we go to another one? Like they they yeah. want to. That's you know, and all. Well, I mean, well, they built the brand after they had had their own brand. You know, as well, themselves, they they already had the following and the. Do and you stuff think? Like that. Do you think they'll grow out of it? KSI uh, and Louis Paul's brand has been twelve year olds from the jump, though. I'm sorry, how old I've is your? Never heard of Prime. Oh, he's, he's twelve. Yeah. They're always just, you know, they're into the, the newer trends, you know, New they haven't gotten stuck in their ways. They're not, you know, these old people, you know, they're, I know people that only drink monster just because they've been drinking it for so many years. You yeah. Know? Red Bull. Not that they don't like yeah. Red Bull, you know, I'm a Red Bull guy, but honestly, yeah, I remain Celsius now. Celsius got me too. And see, Celsius came through all the influence and stuff. And that, and that's my favorite one personally, but, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of companies are just trying to hold on to the red of relative, you know, influencers or or whatnot, because that's mm -hmm. how they stay relative. Well, we were we were stuck on that when we were that age, and then you think these kids are stuck on that, and we look up, we look at them and say like, what the hell's wrong with you people? But they're probably going to go through the same cycle that we like the same market cycle. Am I am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, we're going to be asking Chelsea, kids for tech support. Chelsea you know, wants to say hey, something. You know, my hologram's glitching. Fix it. <laughs> Fix my well, hologram. What, Chelsea? My hover car. Did, did you say 12-year-olds are drinking this? Yes. Probably, yeah, this has double the amount of caffeine as a Red Bull. Yes. Kids are drinking lots of energy drinks. It, I will it, say, too. They're all hooked on vapes, too. <laughs> no regulation yeah. on that shit. All, I mean, they were also all vaping until the regulation came, too, so I can't I say I'm surprised. 
the influence but, that I I mean like these people like Logan Paul is fucking what about to be he's got to be like 28 30 I don't know I think um, he's and he's influencing 12 year olds to drink a caffeinated beverage he knows his demo is 12 year olds he knows it you know what I mean but he's on his podcast talking about shit that's not appropriate and he doesn't care it's because like at the end of the day it's not his responsibility hey. Yeah, if I, I had his following, I, I would make all the energy drink. I'd be putting out the. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's it's a lot. Not of... his re- yeah. It's not his responsibility. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, but that is his demo. He knows that. Yeah. You know I mean? Oh yeah. I mean. Shoot. I mean, we've talked about it before. That it's like, is it the kids' fault? Is it the influencers' fault? At the end of the day, kind of both. It's the parents' it's fault. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like if you know who your audience is, like. You're not stupid about who your audience is. Every single app that you are on, it will tell you the statistics of who is following you. Woman, yeah, gender, yeah. like it'll tell you woman, well, woman, man, whatever. It'll tell you gender, it'll tell you age, it'll tell you literally where they are. If yeah. you know that your viewership is 12 years old, okay. you're not stupid but about it. To be, no. to be devil's advocate on that. Do so it. Like if no, you devil's are advocate creating... is the person's, it's the person's, yeah. the, Devil's advocate, it is the parents' fault as well. Like, they should yeah. be monitoring, at least at some kind of way. Obviously, you don't. I guess you don't want to be a dick to your teenager, but, like, you kind of have to monitor what they're watching. And, like, if you see your kid drinking a Red Bull can at 12 years old, I'd probably be like, mm, you don't need that, because my mom did that to me. Um, Not so bad, boy. Keep it going. I just, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm parents, parents <laughs> and Jake Paul, both have a responsibility to the 12 years old, but Jay Paul, way much less responsibility. Yeah. yeah. I just want like, to hear what he's saying. If you're creating content and like you're creating the same content that you started with when you had zero views and like people start watching it, like there's no fault to you to change what you've been making, like to change who you are just because somebody else is watching it. But what I was going to say earlier too about like Red Bull and stuff, because I, I was a big monster guy. My roommate's a huge Red Bull guy. He'll get like one or two a day, like huge Red Bull guy. And I think it's crazy too, because when I first started looking into marketing, I always thought, I was like, no, when you're a large brand and you're just like well-known, why do you still make ads? Like if you're so well-known, like if you're like the Red Bulls of the world, like why do you pay multi-millions of dollars for like ad placement? And what's so funny to me- a really bad take. <laughs> I, oh, I Wait, was, let him finish. This is like my old take. I'm, I'm not done yet. <laughs> what I was going to say is finish. that it's proving that uh, you do need to be putting this money into marketing because then, like Dylan was saying, it's like, yeah, then you get all these ads for Celsius and stuff and it's like you just switch over. So, like, you need to stay relevant. You need to stay in front of your consumer because you can't rely on that. But I, I do think that it is an argument that I hear a lot where it's like, yeah, if you have like a solidified brand, like you can use organic marketing and not paid. And like, yeah. obviously, um, the organic goes a long way, but like, I mean, you should I always stay on like... top. And if somebody's dumping money into a market, like it, it, it usually works in the, in the grand scheme as long as it's, as long as it's done properly, as long as you're not just dumping money and just crazy but like influencer marketing like john said like doesn't get it if it didn't work they wouldn't be shelling out this money like it's got to work at some point or in my mind like i'm not a marketing guy but like in my mind too like i don't i don't like to assume like companies are doing like wasting money like if they tried something and it didn't work they would stop 
but they tried something and they put they double triple quadruple down on the money and widen their grass like you got people doing like micro influencers like they're like they just want to get their product in front of like 100 to 200 people out of like their 10,000 followers and they're okay with paying a little bit of money for that so it's like that's crazy to me it's a whole different I mean, level. Red Bull. oh go ahead I was just going to say it's a whole different level is whenever you get to the massive brands because they're like they're they're thinking about whether or not they want to spend on the Super Bowl ad, not whether or not they want to run Instagram, Facebook, Twitter ads. Like it's I, I feel like it's just got to be a different conversation. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. And also, but there's you always need marketing. It doesn't matter how big your company is, you could be the number one company in the world, you always need marketing because there's always going to be a number two company waiting for you to go away right that's competition dylan what were you gonna say and so with a bunch of these like say uh, like monster and red bull for instance so they have you know they're just so established that they the energy drink isn't even their their high like biggest revenue at times you know like so they have so for red bull you know they have bmx teams and skydiving teams the pilots and stuff that's where and they're not sponsoring people they have their own brand and their own athletes that are working for them and, and, and whatnot. And I know Monster does the same thing. I know they have a lot of like, uh, you know, within you know, like the car scene and stuff like that. I know like, what's it like derbies and whatnot. Racing teams. Like home show and like NASCAR right now. Like, yes. Yeah. F1, baby. F1 Red Bull. That's where they make their money. Yeah. It's those small new companies that are either on the come up or if they've hit a plateau that they're just, they're just trying to hold on and they're grasping to the they're peppering for the little marketing, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It does. I want to do a quick check-in. I can go for another 20 minutes if you guys want to, but I want to see where everyone else is. I need a pee break either way. All right, Chelsea, you? That was a nod, Dylan. I'm good. I'm good. I ain't got nothing going on. Chelsea, get back to work Silver? I'm good. Bill? I'm good. I also need to use the restroom, though. 10-second pee break. Water. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're back on. So everyone's loaded back up. Bill did have to leave, and that's okay. So I want to do a super quick wrap-up instead of doing 20 minutes of nice rambling and fun because I think we've all had a pretty good time tonight. But um, talking about AI, space, and the future, and all this fun stuff, Dylan, what are you looking forward to the most in the next two years? I am, let's see, in the next two years, only AI specific. What am I looking forward to? Anything you I, want. I just, that's the thing that's on everyone's mind. So that's what I usually yeah. go to. I mean, when, when it becomes more integrated into the work system, that's when I will, I would love that. Cause that means more, more downtime, hopefully. I mean, hopefully at the same time, it could just open, open up, you know, capacity or, you know, bandwidth, whatever for, uh, for other things to do. So. I mean, it can, it's just going to improve efficiency and whatnot, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I always look forward to the uncertainty. Mm. So adding creativity time. So we, we've talked about this many times here. I'll run it by you. Do you think there's going to be a time, do you think in our lifetime, and that's expecting that we've probably got another 50 years or so, we are going to see more AI generated movie and video than human generated AI video. And before you answer, when I say 
more, I mean, more that actually gets used and seen by the public because it, it could clearly just infinitely create stuff and that 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 would distort the question. But what I mean yeah. is popularize stuff. Yeah, I mean, oh wait, so you don't mean as far as like what it can do, but more of... I mean, is is the Hollywood and the literature the the literature world do you think we're going to have more popular books and movies than we written by ai than we are humans so i think i think books would be tough um maybe even i mean but at the same time you never know that's that's the uncertainty you never know if they could actually write a good script that's original and stuff like that you know sure. because you know that's what makes you know, because I mean, you got to think what is what is the database they're pulling us from? You know, you could say, write me a, a comedy, you know, a short film comedy, yada, yada. Well, you know, where is are they? Is it only pulling jokes that have already been used, like already past, you know, humor that's already had its time kind of thing, or even just a specific joke, exact, you know, verbatim, you know, it, it's got to have that creativity to it. So that's where, you know, when does it start to I feel like that's when it starts to have its own mind is when it becomes creative and looks for other ways to uh, to do things. Yeah, but then it's alive. And then you're like, what the hell is the morals of dealing with something that's alive but also not breathing? That's a weird I mean, question. I don't like that. There's, there's enough movies on it, but it's going to happen. Shoot. You think so? It's coming. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's coming. I've seen iRobot enough to know humans are going to make the same mistake. I mean, look at... Uh, was it Hitler invaded Russia during the winter, just like Napoleon? I mean, nobody's. Yeah. I mean, we're not learning from the movies. He didn't learn from Napoleon, so we're not learning from these movies. Our robot's gonna happen, whether it's in our lifetime or the next three, four hundred. But I mean, I'd say, and I guess touching on a little conspiracy aspect, I think that you know, within our lifetime, lifetime, there's gonna be something like a, like a wild, wild west, but you know, more of a, you know, thing, you know. Wild Wild West mixed with uh, like industrialization just within technology because there's going to be so many people that don't know what's going on and don't know how to use it where the few people that do are just going to take over. And also, I mean, and then that in itself is going to take over. I mean, it's going to be, you know, once the once the world really, I guess, merges virtually to where it becomes like a, a coexisting space, that's when it's going to be a lawless land because, you know, it, it's going to be hard. It, it's... Some people aren't going to integrate. Some people aren't going to want to, and it's going to create a whole. It's going to be a completely different world that, you know, the government that they're going to have a hard time regulating. They're going to have a hard time, you know, because then they're going to have to have different types of task force. I mean, it's like the like the damn matrix, you know. I think. I mean, I think what you're talking about is a digital frontier, and I. Yeah. I guess maybe the last point we should probably hit is that what you're saying is absolutely correct. Is the people who write the rules typically are not up to date in the technology. And that's something I think about quite a bit and that I'm kind of annoyed at. I mean, did you, this was a couple of years ago, but did you see the, whenever they brought Mark Zuckerberg into court and they're asking him stuff and it's clear that they don't know what Facebook even does. It's the Supreme court that's asking these questions. And he's like, yeah. you know that I'm not Google, right? Like I'm, I'm different from Google. The internet isn't Google. And they just they just had no clue. They were just acting on information they've been given. And you're like, 
these people have no idea how this works. We're asking the Byzantines to talk about the Civil War. Like, it doesn't oh, make oh, sense. Well, we don't. We don't have enough time to turn over into politics because I don't. We should do that the next time. Do you want to come on I'm, again? I'm, I'm game. Oh. Yes, I go into politics. I'm your girl. We've avoided it for so long, but we might as well. If Dylan's coming on another time. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Okay. All right. Before this goes it's too a, far. It, it's very it's very controversial, but it's a fun game. But we, we, well, I, I think I think that would need a, a good br- debriefing before we went live. I agree. Um, and a good drink. And a good yeah. I'm I'll yeah, I'll bourbon that time. We're all corporate here for the most part, so there's some things we gotta keep private. So we will do this again, I promise. And we'll, we'll mark out a full hour and a half for it. And it'll be great. And we can talk through it. How's that sound? Should have. I'm down to be I regular could. on this if you have me. This is fun. Man, you're the best. I appreciate it. I, I, this was so short notice. And you just literally plugged right in. It was, And we dealt with the whole, I mean, Bill and everything. And I love Bill so much. I'm so glad he was here. But I, I, know, we, I know we talked about it years ago when you first started the podcast. Like, hey, would you want to come on or whatever? But it just never came to fruition. It was so we I looked it up actually today before we came on. And so the first one we put actually on Spotify was June or July 11th. I think it was July 11th is what it said. So we'll do like a nice big, hey, this has been this has been two years. We're going into our third year. It's been it's been a weird evolving experiment because um, fuck, I know we're still going on. And I said we were going to not. But the way that this started was I literally just started posting videos on instagram i I would just do real or not reels or whatever the stories are stories yeah Yeah. i'm not i'm not good at technology so i would just do that on my drive to and from work on mondays and fridays i was like hey this shit's happening people are talking about it i want to talk about it here's what i think and then people would reply to me and i was like oh man this is really cool like we should actually do this like so you start going into it and you're like oh this is a long conversation. This is not a short conversation. If you want to talk about something like this, you need to actually sit down and say, we're going to be locked into a room for at least an hour. And that's just how it's evolved. There's no quick way to any of these answers. And we end up having more questions than answers. Oh, yeah. The mystery of life. Ain't it beautiful? It's fucking beautiful. All right. It has been so much fun. Thank you so much. We'll have you on again. And I love it. You can stay on after. I'm just doing the goodbyes for the recording. So I'll see you guys next time. Later. Thank you. Thank you for having me.